Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Got me? Good. Hey, um, I'm keen to hear what I'm going to bring today too. I'm so confused. So confused. Uh, so much you want to say and then sort of try and peel it back and go, okay, God, what do you want to say? And uh, uh, so um, it will be interesting. The... Uh, So as, as Matt brought the uh, communion word, just really felt God drop in my heart that um, uh, that word gratitude, you know, and and uh, you know we are very grateful for the last nineteen and a half almost years, and uh, there've been so many people part of our journey, and. Uh, it's it's so interesting trying to get perspective on that, um, you know, because you're coming to the end of the season. It gets real, doesn't it? When they can put it up on the screen like that and go, oh, only a few more weeks to go. Okay, so, uh, um, but but our intention is to be part of the church uh, going forward. We we will have probably six months off just to give Chris and Tristan and the hope you see people space to to leave without us going what are you doing that for what's that happening because because i've been so involved for 19 years you know like every major decision you've been a part of and uh so it's going to be it actually would be difficult for us to be here if you understand that emotionally we're connected to everything that happens here and uh, uh so it's better for us to get out of the way and do the caravan thing for a bit and um and uh and, and let the change happen here then we can come back and you can give us a new people pack when we walk in the door and say, <laughs> so where are you from and how long have you been in the bay and, and all those sorts of questions. So, uh, um, but uh, we, are, we are so grateful for everything God's done here and is still doing here and is going to do in the future, you know, and uh, very excited for what that's going to look like. Just let me explain quickly. Gosh, is that the time? Um, we... The half of the house offering, we just wanted to get clarity before we promoted it to you to um, that the money that you give in this offering will go to here. So we just wanted to get clarity because the way Hope You See will do it in the future is the money you give will be then worked out where it goes through priorities to the different campuses. But we, we got a commitment from them that the money that's given here is in our account now and will be given in this month will be spent here specifically to our projects here so I just thought I wanted to, I wanted to clarify that for myself first before uh, promoting it to you and, um, uh, and, and so that, that's a good thing we, we didn't quite get what we needed to really kick off the toilet block last year we took up the offering mid-COVID you know we were in online church and uh, Everybody was concerned about, gosh, what's the future like? And, and uh, so, so we, you know, which is completely understandable. But this year it seems like we've got a bit more clarity about what the future's going to look like. And, 
and where we'd like to, to do that work. So, so as Tristan just said, just pray about that. You know, work out what you feel like God wants you to give and uh, go with that, whether it's a pledge or a, um, a one-off offering or whatever. If you get it in before the 30th of June, obviously you get the tax deduction for this year as well, which is always very helpful. Okay, so um, again, this isn't about information. You know, I just feel like information doesn't change our life. Um, impartation, revelation is what changes our hearts and that's what changes our lives. And, uh, and so here this morning, I'm going to continue on what I did, started two weeks ago with the promises of God. And this will get a little bit more uh, practical, I guess. Um, I'm hoping it does anyway. And, uh, and basically, I'm, I'm going to share my life scripture, I guess my scripture philosophy of life out of, out of the, God's word and it's a word that God gave to me pretty early in my Christian walk and a scripture that I'd never heard anyone preach on, I've never heard anyone talk about it and yet it bring, it's got so much depth for me and the way that I live my life or try to live my life perhaps is a better way to put it. Um, you know, and, and living in that expectancy that God will work all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That the God, if we have that word to, to base ourselves on, that foundation, and we have that expectancy, nothing can hold us back. Nothing can hold us back. And, uh, you know, I, I personally believe we have some responsibility in these things as well to prepare and position ourselves for what we believe God is going to do in our life. That is actually faith. That's actually faith. You know, hearing God's word, what he's saying to you, and then camping on that, that what he said to you and going, well, I'm going to prepare to receive that promise, that, that promise from God, that thing that he's saying to my heart. And, and it's got to be intentional, it's got to be proactive, but it's definitely not presumption, it's definitely not entitlement, it's definitely not hyper-faith, because that's a different thing, and, uh, and, and I'm definitely not going to try and do what God's supposed to do I just do what I meant to do in that process. And I know I'm speaking in vague terms that maybe you're probably working, where's he going? What's he talking about? So uh, just hang with me. I'll, I'll, it'll become clear in a minute. But we have to have that expectancy that God will fulfill his promises in our life. No matter where you're at, no matter what it looks like right now, he will fulfill those promises and ready ourselves for the move of God when it does come. That's why we do church. You know, look, I don't do church to, okay, be careful what I say here. I don't do church so we can meet together and be, pat each other on the back and go, you know, have a good life, see you later. No, I, meet, I do church so we reach this community. That, that's why we do church. That's, that's to make a difference in this place. You see, it's not what happens in this church on Sunday that makes the difference. Sure, it can in you personally, but to reach this community, it's actually what happens the rest of the week makes the most difference. And, and so we, we need to make sure we're, we're positioning ourselves for what God wants to do here. And, and this morning I want to look at this Old Testament scripture that I'll, I'll show you in a second. And, um, and the context is, is just before the Israelites about to enter into the promised land. And this is, <laughs> they've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. 
wandering around the, the wilderness for 40 years. They were in slavery for 400 years. They'd heard about the good land, the, the, hand of, the land of milk and honey, the, the promised land. They'd heard about this land for so long. And here they're at the, the, the river. They're ready to, to cross over. And uh, there's a whole new generation. There's a whole new, there's a new leader ready to take on the leadership, to step up over Israel. There's new challenges. There's new potential. And to me, when I read that, when I was thinking about this, it sounds all very familiar to where we are as a church. You know, we've had 19 years since we've planted. We started with nothing 19 years ago. And, you know, we were able to secure this land. And it seems like there's a new leader ready in Chris and Tristan to step into leadership. There's a new potential on us. There's a new land ahead. There's a new thing yet to, to happen. And, uh, and I feel like, gee, there's, there's a fair bit of application here for us, I think. Um, anyway, Israel is, is camped on, on the east bank of the Jordan River. And, you know, there's, we don't really know how many people, but million people plus, you know, and that's a lot. Can you imagine that? It's just amazing. And they're ready to cross over and there's high anticipation and hope, and they're ready to step out in this new season. And Moses, the old leader, is preparing them to enter the new land. And he encourages them strongly to obey God. And I believe this is a promise for us, for you personally, for our church. And it comes out of my revelation, I guess, so you, you've got to see if you can make it fit for you. But it's Deuteronomy 8.1. It says this, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Now, it doesn't sound like much, really. But I want to show you something here this this morning. Um, See, God's word through Moses here suggests that they should be, as we must, live and increase before we enter and possess. Live and increase and then enter and possess. Think about that for a moment. It's not just semantics. It's not just... There's, an, there's a purpose in the order of these words, I believe, because it's repeated over and over again in the Old Testament. The first time I read this scripture, it got my attention. It was like, I think Moses might have got this around the wrong way. You know, don't you enter and possess so you can live and increase? Like, it, that's the, what the world would want to tell you. And, and that's what some hyper-faith people would want to tell you, where you enter and possess, you claim, pray, you know, just claim it in the name of Jesus and it's yours. And it's like, well, yes and no. The promises are yes and amen, but sometimes God wants to do something in us first before he gives us the promises he has for us. And, um, and I think that's the case here. You see, you can look at that and go, well, isn't that what our Christianity is all about, about entering and possess the promises that God's got for us? Yes, but he wants, he's more concerned with what happens in you first in your heart, the change that happens inside you before he brings the outworking of that in a natural sense. And uh, (laughs) 
And so often that's the way we're wired. You know, we want the end result. We, we want the... Sometimes we want the end result more than we want God, in fact. You know, we want to enter and possess those promises. We want the easy way. We want to take possession of those promises without any cost, without any pain, without any suffering, without any need for growth, you know, with any need to increase our faith, with any need to increase anything in our lives. And, uh, and, and we don't want to change anything because that's what sometimes our westernized, superficial, comfortable, self-centered theology will want us to think and believe. It's just not the way God is. And from my point of view, it's the wrong way around. And it's like, well, it's like this, perhaps. Well, when I win the lottery, then I'll be generous. When my number comes up, you know what? Then I'll give to the church. No, 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 no. Not like that at all. You know, my number must come up sometime and, and then I'll be generous. God, if you're really there, you'll help me win the lottery, so then I'll give to the church. No, no. Like, he doesn't care if you win the lottery or not anyway. He wants to see your generosity of heart. He wants to know what's really inside here. He wants to see you to grow to a level of trust and faith to go, you know what, I am going to tithe, even though it doesn't feel like there's enough there, but I know, God, you can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100%. See, that's the increase. That's the living and increase to enter and possess the promises God has got for us. You see, that's, if we think like that, we want the fruit without sowing. We want the position without the serving. We want the gold medal without training and the dedication. We want to reap what we haven't sown. And sometimes God does do that. But generally, we've already paid the price somewhere in the process. And the problem with that is we actually haven't grown on the inside we actually, we're not ready to accept the promises that God's got for us because they'll fall away. And if you read on in Deuteronomy 8 too, it says this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. You see, 40 years ago, they tried to go into the promised land, but they weren't ready. They, they weren't trusting but they were too concerned and too fearful of the giants on the other side. They're big, man. They're, they're huge. And we just seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Yes, yes, that's true. And uh, but here's what I, I want you to hear. That God is way more concerned with your character than your comfort. And I know that's not sometimes what's portrayed in Christianity but he's more concerned what's happening with you in your heart than the comfort in your life. <laughs> Here's something else. We don't serve a sentimental God. He's not sentimental about the stuff we're sentimental about. He wants to see the best for you, yes, absolutely. But he wants to see you personally grow to the level so he's ready to bring that promise that he has in Christ, that we have in Christ. And, uh, you know, the change has to happen in us first. Hmm. Um, so here's the other thing. It's not only God's promises for us, but it's also got to be in God's timing. 
See, timing is so crucial in this. And I'm so guilty as anyone, I guess, in, in this area. Because I want you to hear this. You see, if it's the right thing at the wrong time, it's actually the wrong thing. If it's premature, if it's early, if it's before God ordained it, it's actually the wrong thing. And uh, it has to be God's will and God's timing for your life. And there's a time in God. And so we have just got to prepare our hearts and get ready for that thing that, that we know God's laid on our heart. You know, I've had people come in and say, well, I got a prophetic word 10 or 20 years ago that I was going to do this, 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 and this. And you go, well, so what did you do about that? Oh, nothing. You know, and, and one guy in particular, remember this guy. You know, I'm going to preach before tens of thousands of people and, and all this stuff. You go, okay, so what, what did you do? So, oh, nothing. I just waited for it to happen. But, but, but didn't, you, didn't you start to position yourself for that? Like, if that's truly what God said, wouldn't you start to position yourself to get ready for that? Like, did you go to Bible college? No. Did you step into any leadership position? No. Did you, like, he just didn't do anything and it was ticked off, <laughs> ticked off that God didn't bring that prophetic word for his life. And you go, look, at, I just don't think it works like that. You know, he, God wants us to enter into this promise, yes, but we have to actually live and increase on the inside first. So I believe it's all about the preparation. I've had a philosophy in life for a long time that success is when preparation and opportunity collide, when they come together. Success is about when preparation and opportunity collide. And that was pre-Christianity uh, in business, like the whole deal. But my definition of success has changed since I became a Christian. But I still think that's a very accurate understanding because preparation is our responsibility. Opportunity is God's responsibility. And so we have to ready ourselves for the God opportunity that may come in our life. And we actually even know what it might look like by being ready for it. So um, the opportunity is the entering and possessing part. The only part I have any control on is the preparation. Prepare my heart. Prepare myself. Get myself into God's word. Be praying. Be believing. Sure. Have trust. Have faith. All those things. But, uh, you know, very often we, we get to the point of in this process of, well, what price am I prepared to pay? How, how much am I prepared to pay for this promise? And... Uh, you know, and can I tell you that there's so many biblical characters that give us a, a template for us to be working on. You know, you look at Abraham. His preparation was 25 years. He had the promise of Isaac, but it took 25 years to come into reality. Joseph, his preparation was 13 years. He had the dream, but it took 13 years to start to look like anything would come out of it. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness before he got the, the tribe of Israel to, the, to the, the, the promised land. You know, Joshua, his preparation was 45 years before he took on the leadership and, and took the, the Israel into the promised land. He took over from, from Moses. You know, um, David was 22 years, the promise of being the king of Israel till actually happen. 20, 22 years. See, this wasn't... There's a promise. Okay, here I am. No, it doesn't work like that. Something has to happen in us. Even Jesus, it took 30 years 
preparation time before he actually stepped into his ministry. We, miss, we can miss the opportunity if we haven't readied ourselves, prepared ourselves in God for what he's going to bring. Because we get, get so distracted and preoccupied and frustrated and complaining and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I read this, this prayer um, in the last week or two and it really spoke to me and I, I feel like I just wanted to bring it here this morning. It's called, uh, it's a beautiful prayer, it's called the Serenity Prayer. And, uh, you know, the 12-steps programs use it and Alcoholic Anonymous uses as well. But it was actually written by a the theologian a long time before these guys ever started to use it. And I just want you to... I've got it on the screen, I think, too. I just want you to hear this and think about this this morning, meditate on this. It says this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life, <laughs> I love that, and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Reinhold Niebauer wrote that back, um, back early 19th century, I think it was. And uh, it's just a beautiful prayer. And it says it so well in a way that I couldn't articulate it. But God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, taking each day as it comes, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. See, that's not what our Christianity tells us sometimes, our westernised Christianity tells us. Taking as he did, that's Jesus, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, not as I want it to be, but as it is right now, taking it right without any frustration or, or, or distraction or complaining, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, the higher will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love that prayer. Oh, I've been praying that each day just because it just challenges me it challenges me to think differently about how god is and what he wants you know and uh and here this morning i, I just i know i haven't feel like i've covered much ground here but uh um, i just want to finish with a couple of stories that um personal areas that uh this i really had to lay down some stuff in, in my life you know we felt like um well i did anyway back in bible college days i felt like god sort of suggested that in a prayer meeting actually that we'd plant a church one day so here's the thing i'm thinking oh well next year we'll plant a church and uh, uh uh like this took a long time to our work so so there were some opportunities in the bible college didn't know which way to go back into business or or plant a church or go into ministry or whatever it was and and mark zare called us into the church full-time which was 
amazing opportunity. Um, and I've learned so, I learned so much over that next sort of five years, I think it was. And, uh, you know, there was, there was talk at Macquarie then about planting churches. My name was never in the mix. I was 2IC and business manager at this stage, and so I was deeply involved in it all, on the vision team for church planting. So many people were involved in this process, but my name was never there. And, you know, I always thought, I wonder why. I wonder why. Why, why aren't I in that discussion anywhere? And, uh, and I kept saying, okay, it's okay, Greg, just don't get frustrated. It's okay, just stay with it. And, uh, and Bruce Robbo looked like he was going to plant church, and then he took over a church, so that didn't happen. So this whole five-church Macquarie thing became just a concept. It wasn't real because no one was going to do it. And, um, and I remember this day... So frustrated, so frustrated. And if you're in this season, can I suggest to you, God's trying to do something in your heart. He's asking you to surrender. And um, remember this day, I was at home. I just thought, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being ambitious. Sorry for getting frustrated. I really thought it was you that, that planned in their heart that we plant a church. But somehow I must have missed it. So I'm going to lay that all down. All down. And I'm going to be the best number two I can be. I'm going to make Mark Z look the best he's ever looked. He's going to, his job's going to be so easy. I'm going to try and do everything I can to make his role as easy as I can. I'm just going to be the best number two and I'm just going to lay that all down forget about that completely to help Macquarie reach the vision to reach the community and make a difference in this place. And it was a huge release on me right then. It was just like, oh gosh, thank you. I don't have to be frustrated all the time. Now, you have to understand something. Rob and I were both on staff at this stage. I was full-time. Rob was two days a week. I was twice a running services, you know, doing lots of stuff, business managers. Well, Rob was kids pastor and doing a great job. Had hundreds of kids in kids ministry. The church was thriving. You've got to... So here's some real quick context. We joined the church when it was about 200. I, we saw only growth for, for the 10 years we're there. It went from 200 to 800 when we left. And we'd only thought this church plan stuff's easy. Like you just, we never clue what we're doing. I was close to the action. We didn't know what we're doing. Week to week, we didn't have a clue. We were just making up as we went. And God kept turning up. And it was just like, this is not hard. Like anyone could do this. And uh, anyway, um, <laughs> church was growing rapidly and, and, it, and I felt like God was stirring that in our heart to plant a church. Anyway, laid all that down and within a very short period of time, Mark came to me and said, I feel like God said, it's time now. Yeah, really? Really? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> like... <laughs> And, and see, God had to do something in me first before he released me into the next thing he already planned in my heart. And so often we think, 
Well, he planned in my heart, so tomorrow I'm going to do it. No, no, it just doesn't work like that. So don't get frustrated in the day-to-day mundane stuff when you feel like you've got a promise from God for you, for your marriage, for your family, for your career, for your relationships, for church, for your ministry. Like, just be faithful. Just hang on to the promise. Just keep stepping in. Just be ready to go, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to step into the next thing. Whatever, Whenever it's there, I'm going to step in. God, I'm going to prepare my heart. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be focused on you. But I'm not going to try and force this, this the promise. I'm not going to try and make this happen. I'm not going to try too hard. Because, God, it's in your time. You bring the opportunity. I just have to be aware and ready to step in to the opportunity as it comes available. And you know the story from then, within six months, we were meeting with a a small team from Macquarie just to to start and plant this church up here. We started the school hall for for five and a half years, really. But can I tell you one other thing? I'll make this real. And some of you may have heard this story, but I remember planning for the church, planting, and uh, we hadn't hardly any money at Macquarie at that stage. Like, we set out a budget for about $5,000 to plant the church. And I was sort of unsettled with that, but I knew it was borrowed stuff and secondhand stuff and all that to kick off with. And I remember being challenging God to go, well, you know, why don't you actually do a dream list that you'd really like of new stuff? And it's like, yeah, but we can't afford it. Anyway, so I did it. This is on a Friday. Just so random. On a Friday, it was about $15,000. So it was new data projector, new sound system, new mics, like all the stuff. Actually, that keyboard's one of the things. No, no, not that one. Oh, yeah, it is that one. Is it? Yes, that one that we bought. Um, I can t- oh, this is nuts. I can tell you how much we paid for that, like 19 and a half years ago. Crazy. Because it was a big part of our budget. $3,500. And it's like, we had $15,000, you know, and we were buying data projectors and I don't think we bought a computer, but, but you know, anyway, beside the point. Um, so, that was a Friday. when okay, $15,000. That would give us the dream list, I think, God. This guy comes to me on Sunday, a business guy, <laughs> and says, um... How much is it going to cost to plant the church? And so I went into the big explanation. Well, we've got five thousand allocated, but you know, I'd really the dream list is fifteen thousand, and but you know, we can't afford that. He said, "You've got the money," and I said, "No, no, we haven't got the money. I haven't explained myself very well, have I? We've only got five thousand dollars, and we'd really like fifty. No, no," he said, "Stop. You've got the money. I'll write you a check and you know, put it on your desk on on Monday morning." This guy, this business guy just sold a business. He was tithing off the sale of his business. And I didn't know, but he actually had another 15000 he would have given to us if I'd actually dreamed bigger. <laughs> so Macquarie ended up with that. So, uh, um, but never, God wants to bless us. He wants us to be prepared for the promises He has for us. He wants the best for every single one of us. 
no matter what we're in, what we're doing, what's happening in our life. He wants the best for you personally. But don't get frustrated with God because He's not answering your prayers now. If you've got a promise on your life, you've got to hang in there, you've got to prepare your heart, prepare yourself. If it's a, look, here's the thing. If it's a, gosh. If, if it's a, a promise of a spouse, if you're single here this morning, don't get frustrated. Don't try and produce an Ishmael in the process. Wait on God. Wait for his best for you. He's got a best for you. No matter what is going on in life, don't compromise. Don't take second best. Wait for the best in God. And it may take some time and you'll get a little fearful perhaps on the way through, but he's got the best for you. Same with our kids. You don't give up on your kids. They're not doing what you want them to do right now, but you keep praying, keep believing, you keep looking for the promises of God for your life for whatever he's saying to you about that. And you hang on to that till it comes into reality. So you only get that stuff from experience. And I know for some of you it's probably making no sense at all. But God wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. And sometimes we just got to prepare our hearts for what he's going to do in our future. All right, I've done. I'm done. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, that we can lean on your word in all seasons in life, God. And uh, Father, here this morning, I pray, God, some of that made sense to somebody. Holy Spirit, you, you can use my words in a way that I can never use them, God. So, so God, I pray there's, there's been challenge and there's been change, there's been adjustments, there's been holy adjustments in, in what you want us to do in us and through us because of that, Lord. And God, we just want to give you honor and glory with our lives. We want to surrender our lives afresh to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.